Cosmic Voice. Music, talk, and nothing but business with your hosts, Chris Natalie and Nick Michaels. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cosmic Voice. This is Season 3, Episode 14. I am here with my co-host, Chris Natalini. Hey, hey, hey. What's going on? And I am Mick Michaels. Welcome back, everyone, to another show. Chris, my brother, how are you? Doing great, brother. Doing great. Good to see your face. Doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Doing good. Doing good. Doing good, man. Every day above ground is a good day, so I can't complain. That's absolutely true, bro. You know what I mean? I may be hobbling around at times, but I'm still above ground, so we can't complain. Yeah, Yeah, it's fantastic. (laughs) It's that season. It's the silly season. It is for you. Yes, this is it, brother. It's in your time. It's the bacon season. It's the Hallmark season. It's the put on six to eight pound season. It's or more, depending on where you're at. But uh, it's a good season. I like it, though I'm not liking the cold. But, hey, it is what it is. Good with the bad, bro. Good with the bad. Yeah, a lot more bad these days, but, you know, to get to the good. But that's okay. (laughs) That's all right. That's all right. You know what I'm saying? Anything? I do. do. Yeah, anything? Anything going on? Big deals? What? No, man, nothing, bro. Same old, same old, just like yourself. You know, know, when when people hear this, we're coming out of the spooky season and we're getting into the... uh, the turkey, the turkey gobble gobble season, gobble gobble season, and then uh, you know into in the uh, the Mick Michael's favorite Christmas season. I will say, I will say, because I do want to tell all the listeners, I thought it was super cool uh, when we were done recording our last episode. And again, we're behind everybody when you hear this. You sent me a picture of making Halloween cookies. Oh yeah, which I immediately turned to my wife and I said, "Look what Mick is making." That's <laughs> right. I made made pumpkins and scarecrows and bats and witches and owls. I made a lot, and I still have some. So they're they're probably going to carry over a little bit to when we start all the Christmas stuff. But, will you uh, just will you just throw some Christmas sprinkles on them? And yeah, <laughs> listen, you know what I mean. Yeah, you put some you put some glitter and some green and red. What difference does it make? You know what I mean? It's um, it's a nightmare before Christmas, right? There you are. So Ooh, to boom. Me, yeah, <laughs> boom. So yeah, listen. They're co- and, the, the beauty about it is it's the same exact recipe. However, we made them chocolate, right? Instead of the vanilla okay. or or you know, but yeah, uh, yeah. they're dynamite cookies. I love them. So yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I actually have stuff to, for Thanksgiving. And I have some stuff for Easter. You know, like the cookies. Cook- yeah, of course I do. But what I love about the, the holiday season is I get to break out all the Italian cookies, the recipes. And, and like I said, last year during during the COVID, like, you know, nobody left. I made so many cookies. It actually lasted until about August. I remember you said yeah, that. I you mean, said that on the show yeah. before, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. we, like, you know, I mean, because, like, what was there to do, right? So, I mean, I was for weeks on <laughs> end just true. making cookies. <laughs> I go, hey, I want to try this. So, I got a couple new recipes and some ones that I want to try. And then there's some ones that I had been spending the last couple of years trying to find. I remember uh-huh. as a kid, and I started talking to some friends and family. I said, hey, you remember those cookies that your mother used to make? And did she write it down anywhere? And, and some people were like, ah, I don't know, nothing. you Because know, a, a lot of times they didn't write it down. They just had it in their head, right? So I was like, because I really would like to find those cookies. And do you remember what they were called? No, nah, this, that. So I got a couple that were like maybe close to it. And I kept saying, no, nah, I don't think that's it. But just last week, I came across, I think, what it is that the real it's a, a sicilian cookie 
and I'm really excited about it. So I'm, you know, I'm going to keep it under nice. wraps until I do it, because I don't want to get so excited and then I blow it. But uh, we'll see. <laughs> but I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Absolutely. And, and I, I do also, before we go any further, I do want to say that I also, because our listeners got to hear this too. So I just had a birthday, and on my birthday is November first, Day of the Dead. And we, you and I were talking, and you had said, "What do you guys? You know, we were talking about what I was doing for the afternoon. I was telling you my wife is taking me out for." Mexican. We were going to Philly. We we're going to go to this cool Mexican restaurant, and uh, and you, sir, were home celebrating Day of the Dead, making Mexican. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we had we had taco, you know, chicken tacos, but we also we also make the bread. I I, I can't remember the Spanish of it. I'm, I'm horrible with English, but I always called it dead guy bread. So we make that. We make it. We start it the day before because it takes like hours on hours on hours to rise oh is that right yeah is that right and then um and then we like to braid it so we braid this big you know thing and then we glaze it with the egg and the cinnamon and all i mean it's gigantic you know but we we had it yesterday i had some today you know i'll have well you know in terms of when we actually did it you know what i mean and then right, so right. so we'll have it for like a week and a half or so you know or it'd probably be gone in a couple of days but uh but it, you know sometimes my wife hides some of it like you know what i mean so that it like oh man it's gone right and then like you know then su- we're surprised on the weekend okay surprised, little, yeah, have hey, some left. yeah we have some <laughs> left okay she has to kind of do that around here because it's like <laughs> it's like vultures you know what i mean so yeah 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 all right, let's get cracking here. Another show. So here tonight, we're going to discuss, are there too many genre classifications making it harder for both the bands and the fans to find their place in the music world? Again, are there too many genre classifications? I mean, there's genres and subgenres and subs of subs and so on and so forth. Is it making it harder for bands and fans to find their place? Chris, what do you think, buddy? You know, man, I'm going to go back to when we were kids and there was heavy metal, right? And then it got to hair metal or glam metal. You know, and back then, or, you know, then it became thrash metal. And and back then it was like, you know, especially the guys like you and I who were uh, heavy metal kids, you know, we didn't really think much about the genres. You know what I mean? Like, like saying that you were into glam metal was kind of like a badge of honor. You know what I mean? Because... You know, if you if you liked glam metal, you liked it all. And at the time, there, you know, there was a lot, but there, you didn't know about it because we didn't have the internet. And I, I didn't really think much about it then. And then as I got older, a lot of those hair metal bands were coming out saying, you know, they felt that the hair metal, you know, tag kind of ruined their career, which I was always kind of like, I don't see that happening. But the more I kind of looked into it, then you, you look at guys like Dokken who were, you know, superior than a lot of those bands that they were lumped with in terms of playing. You know, I mean, they're great players, great singers, great songwriters, but unfortunately they got lumped into, you know, the glam metal, the hair metal, and, and they really weren't, they weren't any of that. I mean, I guess at the beginning they kind of had that look, but even if you watch their older videos, it doesn't, like, you can tell they just look uncomfortable. But then I, I started to realize that as I got older and as I put my time in this scene, it got to be like, and I'm just going to use Seeds of Perdition for an example, because we're in that genre, you know, people consider us death metal, back when I first joined the band. And then, you know, it was seven, eight years ago. And then as time has gone on in 2020, now we're considered death thrash because we have thrash metal elements. And then it, it just, I just started to realize that like, there are so many genres of 
we'll say metal because you and I are heavy metal kids. There is just so many genres of music and not and not that I I don't mind the death thrash tag. I just don't understand it because to me we're death metal. I mean, it's just what we are. We may not have elements of say your cannibal corpse kind of death metal, but technically we're death metal, but we have some thrash metal elements and then it gets super super insane when it comes to bands because then you got gore grind then you got grind core then you got i don't know gent or whatever the hell it's called and and it's just it's so unbelievably amazing to me i think that bands definitely get lost in and i don't know what your opinion is obviously we'll find that out i do think that bands really really get lost in that shuffle because we you and i always talk about we've talked about on the podcast before that people's attention spans aren't very long right what what was the what was the last thing you read six seconds eight seconds i think it was between six and eight seconds six and eight seconds if you go into band camp and you band camp especially because of that because when I when you and I talked about doing this subject I immediately went to band camp because when I do try to find out new artists I instantly go to band camp and I you know go to metal and there are a million subgenres of metal and I just don't have the time to sit and go through every subgenre you know what I mean like should there be genres I guess there has to be, right? I mean, well, I guess there doesn't have to be, but I get it. You know, you got your heavy metal, you got your doom metal, your glam metal, your death metal, your thrash metal, and whatever kind of metal. But then you start bringing down all these subgenres. It gets insane to me, man. Insane to me. So to answer the question, I know it's a long-winded to answer, but to get to the question, I really truly believe that getting tagged or getting uh, thrown into a genre of music, especially a smaller subgenre of music, it definitely hurts that artist and or band because there are just way too many of them and more keep coming out and it doesn't make any sense to me. I would agree. Let me. I'm going to backtrack too. I'm going to start like, you know, again, when I was growing up, both as just, you know, as a person and growing into the music it was just music to me yeah i i didn't really take stock in well this is this particular music and this is this particular music however that's not to say that i wasn't aware of the fact that this was heavier and this wasn't this was more danceable and this wasn't and so on and so forth right i mean there was the idea of hey this is mainstream you know this is more popular music but you could also see the progression of music from what your parents listened to in the 40s and the 50s into the early, you know, 60s and from the Beatles and so on and so on. So you could see how music was changing. Even in, like, you know, so in the 70s and 80s, when you're listening to this collection of music, both from, say, you know, your parents, family, older siblings, and then what was happening then, you could see that there was a progression. I mean, you could just, I mean, it was it was obvious, right? And for a time when when the modern rock was starting to become a force especially in the industry you know a lot of things were kind of moving towards that louder bigger you know more boom to the drum more 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 crunch and grind to the to the um, to the guitars you know what i mean as time went on so you know that kind of like started to peak there in the 80s because 
the idea of metal, heavy metal, hard rock into heavy metal type of thing, started to make its way everywhere. I mean, look, Michael Jackson brought it in using Eddie Van Halen, right? right? And it just kind of went from there. A lot of even um, even in the '90s, you know, you, you were getting a lot of crossover, especially for artists that were still looking to try to keep a career, right? You know what I mean? Slash. Right appeared a lot of different places with a lot of different people you know steve stevens did the same thing um you know hey rightly so right what's wrong with yeah nothing wrong but coming up even playing in bands in the 80s i never really thought about it like i never really broke it down to like you know it's like hey i played heavy metal i liked heavy metal i gravitated towards heavy metal that's what it was i didn't play dance music it wasn't elvis music or beatles music it was heavy metal and then say you know 85 86 now you're talking you're talking right at the cusp before the big explosion happened because of MTV and and everything you go back 15 year 10 15 years and black sabbath in 85 was still considered heavy metal right even even led zeppelin by some standards in 85 were kind of th- thrown into heavy metal even though it was like a yeah. hard rock right so you were listening to dio because it was a progression from black sabbath with ozzy black sabbath with dio and then dio on his own and you know and then also rainbow was involved in there like it was just this right. thing it was just deep purple even though so there was all this stuff happening and at that point it was just like hey this is the music i listen to and it was very diverse and people respected it a little bit more in terms mm-hmm. of as a fan and as what the people around you were listening to you see what i'm saying so that when a new band came about like say say in 85 right like i I think it's right around when poison started to pop out because i remember when i Mm -hmm. first seen the album before i seen or heard anything else from them i remember being in the record store and i i was like is this a guy group or is it a girl group i mean that's i mean honestly i was just like I, i knew immediately just by the look that it was probably along the lines of heavy metal Right. right, but I, I right. really was, and I remember staring at the cover, and I go, "Well, I think this is a guy, and this is a guy. I don't know about these two guys, though. You know what <laughs> I mean? I mean, like, I'm not sure. I mean, they could be either they're really ugly, or these guys <laughs> are, you know, I don't know. So then that explosion, and I do know, and I know you had you had mentioned it just a little bit ago that a lot of bands were angered after a certain point that they got lumped in with all these other groups. Yeah, um, because it yeah. became like a catch-all phrase. It came. It became a catch-all phrase after the '80s, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And and it really was from that middle of '87 on to about '91, '92. That's kind of where it fell into. And like mm-hmm. you were saying, unfortunately, there was a lot of bands that kind of had to go the route just to compete. Now, like a band like yeah. Dokken, they were around before. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're talking Don yep. Dockin doing stuff in the '70s, bringing people up through the ranks, getting them recorded. You know, with his own stuff, he was already doing stuff overseas, making a big splash. Right. right? So that look that they had with the striped shirts, maybe the the, the tighter pants and the bandanas. Right? Well, that was the look. Right. That was kind of like that rebel rough kid, Los Angeles type of look. So I mean, it was. Yeah. You know, but then when that big hair started coming out and the hair spraying, everybody was getting extensions and the makeup got a little bit more. Now, listen, again, I mean, Elvis wore makeup. The Beatles wore makeup. There was like, you know, little Richard wore makeup. I mean, so, right. you know, well, I mean, you may not want to count him. But anyway, my point is, is it's been around. So, 
Yeah. Bowie was wearing makeup. Wearing was, yeah, Bowie was wearing makeup. So, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, that's just part of the look. But these guys were, you know, as the 80s progressed, it became excess. So the music and the look reflected that. I mean, Dio was quoted to say, and there's an interview you can find on YouTube, where he blames, like, Poison for destroying yeah. what he felt was heavy metal and where it was going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but listen, even Dio kind of fell into it a little bit. He got a little bit a little more bit. colorful, you know, yeah. the lock up the wolves type of thing, you know, with the pink kind of chartreuse kind of whatever <laughs> colors, you know. And they, everybody used a little bit more uh, hairspray and got tighter spandex. <laughs> I mean, we were all, you know, to it. I mean, so what are you going to do? But again, at the same time, and I know I'm, I'm kind of backtracking here, it was just all music to me. It was the music that we all listened to. Yeah, And when I took some time off and I came back, I slowly started to understand that what I considered heavy metal, people weren't considering heavy metal. And apparently, heavy metal that I think is heavy metal isn't even considered heavy metal anymore. It's just it's either classic rock or hard rock yeah. or yeah. some other stuff. And there's heavy metal, which is like a man of war, armored saint. And then there's metal which is the newer 95 on type of music, right? Or something yep. like this. Yep. And I was once told, I was at a show, and I, this young cat told me, he goes, uh, well, metal really didn't come into existence until 1995 with Avenged Sevenfold. And I was like, what? <laughs> I go, well, what, do you, what about Ozzy? And Ah, oh, well, that's not really metal. That was just more like, you know, like hard rock classic stuff i'm like yeah but i mean ozzy's you know he's still recording and he's still releasing and that stuff's pretty you know heavy and i mean you know for whatever it is you know what i'm saying and i was like well you couldn't fight it so i think that there is way too much classification and i think really it's about algorithms it's about the numbers it's about crunching numbers and what it is to me it's about like you said it's a six to eight second to grab someone's attention and get them to do something because if you can't get them to buy that fast they're just going to move on if they got to search too long for it if they got to uh, you know rummage through too much stuff they're going to miss a sale so what they're doing is niche marketing the music so you could funnel down the buyer much quicker that's my personal opinion so they can oh. immediately go towards what it is instead of like you said you go on Bandcamp and you just don't have the time to rifle through every single genre not sure yep. what it is and then try to get a sample of it and then go okay I'm not really sure and really listen is 30 second sample enough of an exposure to some sub sub genre for you to really make a decision on this is Stephen Pearson from Rat, the Rat Bastard. You're listening to the Cosmic Voice. Now, I know we've talked about this off air, and I've talked to other people of our age. A lot of it sounds the same. So it's like, how are we distinguishing between all these different subgenres? And is it a yeah. way, again, for people just to kind of mark their own territory in a sea of overmarks right now? Where everybody's pissing in a corner to say, this is mine now, don't come here. Like, I'm, yeah. I, I just spit on my fries, nobody touched these, right? <laughs> now you got everybody doing it, and it's just craziness, right? So, I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time with genres myself. Like I said, I still consider what my band does, the music I play, is heavy metal. 
But over the years, over the past 10 years or so, we've been classified as a bunch of different stuff, including non-metal. They said, "Ah, oh, you guys right. really aren't aren't metal. You're just you're just like a, you're just a hard rock rock and roll band." And listen, I you know to some degree, I'm okay with that too. It doesn't make a difference to me because yeah. I, it's not going to change what I'm doing. Like I'm not trying to create something that I like we talked about before that I can't sustain because it's not true. Now we kept having a classification issue, so. I don't know, seven, eight years ago, I decided to, I was going to call the stuff that I do the new wave of traditional American heavy metal. In my opinion, that was a collection of what we did. I mean, we were influenced by the new wave of British heavy metal that was coming out in the late 70s, early 80s from Britain, as well as the American hard rock and metal scene that was starting to take shape and form here in the United States, which includes Kiss and Sabotage and early Queensryche and, you know, bands like Dokken and Rat and stuff like that. And then, you know, to me, that's that's where we're at. Now, it's right. kind of stuck with us over the years, and it's okay. I don't really know if there's a place to go and type that in. I know there's a new wave of heavy metal we're not part of. I have seen the new wave of traditional heavy metal, which I use that moniker once in a while, so I don't offend people overseas. But again, it's just where we're heavy metal. Now, a case in point, if you talk to bands like ACDC, they always talk about it's rock and roll. They play rock and roll. And a lot of the old hats talk that way. They don't talk in terms of classification and genre. It's all rock and roll. And even, even some of the older rockers now, like John Bon Jovi and even like Nikki Six and all, they talk rock and roll. They use the term rock and roll. Once in a while, you'll hear them throw <clears throat> heavy metal around and stuff. But yeah, if that was the case, bands like Motley Crue would have stayed where they were in terms of style, sound, and, and writing approach, like their first two albums. But they made a drastic change, in my opinion... I mean, even from the first to second album, there was a drastic change. But there was a polishing that also went on, right? They had a better yeah. producer. They had some money thrown behind. They were on Electra. But by Theater of Pain, that was a different album altogether. And then, altogether. Yeah, and then so on and so forth. And you've seen that with a lot of bands, right? Rat, them first two albums are super heavy. But then they mm -hmm. by dance and, and so on to the stars or, or whatever to the sky or shoot for, or the, reach sky. for the sky, reach yeah. for the sky, yeah, um, whatever the hell it was called and so on and so forth. It, it became a little lighter, you know. They're putting, you know, you know, way cool junior, you know what I mean. There was a little bit more. There was saxophone and so so. Were they everybody, true? Every, everybody that everybody at the time was like even Molly by Theater Pain, like everybody was kind of doing that Aerosmith kind of bluesy rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And, and, and that was the cool. I mean, look when. Guns N' Roses first hit the scene. Everybody goes, hey, have you seen Guns N' Roses or like the new Aerosmith? That's what right. everybody was tagging them as, right? And uh, I was like, oh, okay. And then when I seen them, I'm like, well, all right. I don't know if they're really like Aerosmith. I, I can feel they're, you know, there's that part of that vibe. But, you know, yeah. and they were never really heavy metal. But they were lumped no. in. They yeah. were lumped in. And they actually gave the scene... What is that? 87, 88, something like that. A real good yeah, kick, like in, real good kick in the pants. Like the yeah. major, major yeah. scene. You know what I mean? So, yeah, a lot of the bands that made the huge impact were not necessarily heavy metal to begin with. Right. So, does it really make a difference? I mean, a lot of the a lot of the bands that became alternative 
in that early 90s to the mid 90s they were they were playing heavy metal the late late 80s a lot of them were yeah i mean look yeah. at pantera yep <laughs> right i mean i know everybody likes to make fun of that stuff but you know i actually like that stuff better than i like the other stuff i was not a big mm-hmm. pantera guy i just didn't mm-hmm. like I, that just wasn't my thing. I, none of that '90s stuff was really my thing. I was I was still yeah. listening to the Judas Priest from the '70s. So it, I mean, I, and it's really it's 2021, and I'm kind of still looking and listening to Judas Priest from the '70s. So I guess not much has changed for me. But I <laughs> right. I like that. You know, I guess that was their glam stage. You know what I mean? It was good stuff, in my opinion. You know what I mean? It just it just you know what are you gonna do? You are listening to The Cosmic Voice with your hosts, Chris Natalini and Mick Michaels. You know, as we're sitting here talking, I decided to pull up my band camp and I went under the uh, description of metal. And under that, it says related genres. There are 16 related different genres for metal, metal, according to band camp. Okay. Like... 16, not four, not eight, 16. I mean, and, and, and that just shows me like somebody's getting missed because, well, the, yeah, a lot of looking through yeah. all 16. I mean, now, now, mind you, in terms of like you had said earlier, you know, numbers and algorithms and all of that. And if you like one version of metal, then I guess the idea is you hit that tag and then it brings you to all those bands that are categorized under that genre which i get but you're still missing bands because as you've just proven everybody kind of gets tagged wrong so somebody's going to get missed because they're tagged as one thing and not the other right exactly and like i said i think that this whole genre thing and the way they've really taken it to extremes it's twofold and it's the artist who wants to be different be an outlier in the scene to give them the edge because they realize this is whatever it is. And I can right. understand that, right? But like you said, you may be painting yourself into a corner. 100%. Right? 100%. The other thing is, is it's the industry side is, like I said, they want to just funnel down the people that are going to immediately buy. Because if, if yeah. they spend too long, they lose a possible sale. And that's really yep. what all that is. Now, let me ask you this since you're still on there. You have metal. There's 16 related topics to it. If you click mm-hmm. on one of those related things, does it break it down even further? Now, that has so many related type of genre connections. It's like a uh, rabbit let hole. Let me just pick one. Hang on. I'm just, I'm just going to pick one. Yeah. Uh, yep. It does. So what did you pick? It does. What, you went from metal, and what did you pick as something related to it? So I picked, I just said death metal. Okay. Because it was easy and it was first. Then it went to extreme metal. It went to one, two, three, four, five, six. Like, looks like six legit different genres of death metal. And they have a couple others listed that you, you don't even know what they would be. So, so almost yeah. half of what, just breaking down metal, it breaks it up. Now, hit another yeah. one. Hit another one. I just want to see how, you know, because you're talking. Same thing. One, so I, I, so I put all, I tapped on metalcore. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, about six. Okay. Six legit. Right. And then some others. Metalcore. Yeah. 
But you see what I mean? It's just like it's never ending. It's never. It could just yeah. keep going, and that's only going. In my opinion, I think it's only going to expand because you're you're just using broad topics now, broad headings. You're right. going right. to take two styles and mesh them together, maybe three styles. Well, we got a little bit of pop and funk and metal. Well, what is that? I don't know. I guess <laughs> there are people who know that. Now, I actually this is a question that I've been using for at least the last almost two years. Uh, when I interview artists through the cosmic view, I ask them, do you feel there's too many genres and subgenres? Has it been a problem for your fans to find you or related music? And is it a problem for you as the artist to kind of create a brand for yourself? So I think this is why some people will create their own whatever. And you're seeing a lot of that more and more. People are just going, well, we're yeah. this. We call it whatever i'll give you an example right so earlier in 2021 i released some side material called starlight which is non-metal it was just stuff i was experimenting with and someone challenged me to write some stuff and it was like five six years in the making so it was literally like you know i dilly dally with it here put it off this idea finally i got to a point hey i want to finish it up let me get this out different kind of singing different kind of guitar playing the whole bit I couldn't figure out what it really was. It was just like a collection of just ideas and create. So I, I said, it's contemporary lounge rock. I just came up with a couple cool terms. <laughs> contemporary, well, it's kind of now. This is what I'm doing. But there's a throwback sound to it because everything I freaking play is a throwback sound because that's just the way it is. And I figured, well, this is something that you would listen to in a lounge somewhere and not really pay attention to it, but it's kind of like an ambiance background jukebox playing i said well there you go and it's rock that's the way i look at it so i put these three things together i wrote it up in the press release i sent it out and that's what everybody started calling it and it was like okay so you know next week what am i doing playing spaghetti western metal and maybe that is something (laughs) all right maybe it is i have no idea but my god man i I mean it's just crazy stuff it's just crazy stuff i think it does make it hard for an artist or a band who just wants to play from their heart to have to kind of pigeonhole themselves into something that may or may not be an accurate description. Yeah, yeah, I'm I agree. A, and I'm a music fan, and I have no interest in genres. I'm just going to gravitate to whatever I like. Like, if I hear something and it moves me, I'm going to go for it. I'm not, I don't look it up and go, hey, what do we got today in terms of, and you come up with something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Harmony rock. I don't know. Or, you know, Han Solo, Star Wars, heavy metal. I I don't know. I don't look at it like that. I just, like, if I hear something, I go with it. So, again, I'm one of those people that maybe it's our generation, and it is a modern generation, modern digital downloader. You know, because, again, I've talked about, I don't do any downloading. I'm not interested in downloading. I purchase either albums, vinyl, or I still purchase the CDs, or, you know, I even have cassettes. I mean, I still, you know, a a pretty good cassette collection. So I like that. And again, I just pick whatever I like. Yeah. Whatever that is, is, you know, because again, if you think about it, what popular music was in 1930 and 1940s was not popular music in 1950s and 1960s which is not right. popular music now so right the genres really count 
in a sense? Like, you think about it. Does it really make a difference? Are they really dictating anything? Because we've had so many crossover artists from one to another. No, I, th I think the only thing that it does is it serves the people that are looking for genre-specific music. Other than that, I think that that is... And, and really, your hardcore music lovers, you know, are going to listen to whatever anyway, not worrying about what the, you know, the tagline is or the, you know, the genre. I feel that... I feel that genres are made specifically for people that look for specific kinds of music. Do you feel that they're made for the fan or from the fan? And is it more of something just to funnel money? I think it's to funnel money, personally, but I don't know if it really makes... I don't think... Like, again, going back to the interview question that I use, I've pretty much seen it may, maybe... I don't want to say 50-50, but maybe a 60-40 split where... Most artists feel there's just there's too many genres, and it is confusing both to their fans and for bands looking to create a brand for themselves, right? Because niche branding can be very beneficial, right? Because you're doing something that nobody else is doing. But sooner or later, if that's a successful model, usually most people start doing that as well. They'll pick up on it, right? Yeah. So now it's yeah. not niche anymore. What do you do? Does that mean that artist now changes their genre? Is that a decision they make, or is it a decision again? Because so like, let's get let's let's look at this. An example, say uh, here in Philadelphia, Cinderella in the '80s, right? If you listen to Cinderella, a lot of people, oh, they're glam, right? Well, yeah, I guess they kind of not really know. They were a hard rock blues band that had a little bit of a metal taste to it, and they looked more glam. But by yeah. their second album, Long Cold Winter, that blues... They've done away with all that. Yeah, they've done away with all that. That blues sound, that hard rock blues sound was predominant. Yeah. Right? And so that by yeah. the next album, it was all over the place. It was all like over. It was like stank. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. You see, Agreed. So, but prior to them getting signed, they had a, an edge to them. They were of the times, of that time. Right? There was an edge. That Philadelphia edge. There was a little bit of the look and the feel, but that blues, you couldn't you couldn't take it away. So did they become more of themselves over the course of their album run? Or was it just their true nature was developing and they realized part of a maturation process? And did they make a conscious effort and gone, well listen, we're gonna go basically from being thrown as a heavy metal band and you know what? Their first big tour was with Bon Jovi, who was not heavy metal, but he was thrown yeah. in. He was a yeah. rock and roll guy. He was the heavier version of Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Storytelling, yep. dancing around, playing the guitar, you know, love song, you know. Listen, and I seen him, I can't even, multiple times, and every show was great that I seen him in the 80s. Oh, absolutely, 100%. You know, even before Slippery Went, I was a Bon Jovi Yeah, fan. it was great. It was great it stuff. It was great. So, is it a thing that the artists decide? But, I mean, it, but if things change, what do you do? Do you just come out and go, like nowadays, do you just come out and go, okay, guys, uh, all your PR people, please tell people I am now such and such. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it just gets to be, it, it seems to be something not worth the artist's time and it takes away from the creativity because the creativity in my it should just be whatever 
is working, whatever's starting to happen, whatever's developing, and you go with it. Now, I know there are certain bands that like to stick to a formula. I get it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But they've already made, that, that decision's been made from the get-go, right? Yeah. Except yeah. as one of those bands. They stick to a formula and a sound, and it's, it's there. And it works for them. ACDC was another band. Mm-hmm. They stuck with it, right? Nothing wrong with that. Even as the times changed. Now, again, we're also talking about older bands. How does it work now for a younger band? I mean, would you, is there any band that you would throw out there that says, okay, they're still doing what they started, I don't know, 95, or even Avenged Sevenfold changed their routine over the course of, you know, 20 years? I mean, one the first one that comes to mind, I think, would be, and they're an older band, but, you know, they've just decided to disband within the past few years would be slayer i mean they pretty much i mean you know they had a wonky record here or there but they never really kind of strayed from what they did i mean you know every pretty much to me in my opinion every slayer album kind of sounds like slayer like you know what i mean there maybe a song here and there that they tried to do something a little different but i think that for the most part i think they pretty much stayed true once they changed from the early days once they once they've matured and they found that sweet spot i think they pretty much stayed with it through the rest of their career okay i i would agree and just recently you know carrie king said that he thought that maybe they retired too soon he thought that they still had more to do and you know who knows though you know they may come back i mean they, everybody talks this way and every yeah yeah of course yeah. so and some guys they jump ship too early because you know because especially within the last two years a lot had been going on maybe some people said hey maybe now's the best time to pack it up because they thought right right you know what i mean things change maybe sooner or later the world will go back to some type of normalcy i don't know but i think this genre thing is here to stay and i don't don't think it's going anywhere do i think it's hurting things it may be hurting things for newer upcoming bands for the independent bands i think it makes it harder i mean again bands at the top whether they're playing or not, and they have a strong catalog, strong following, they come out every couple of years, nothing's ever going to change really for them, right? They yeah. have their audience, they have their sound, and really most people are probably attached to the older catalog portions anyway. Yeah. But yeah. for the newer bands, you know, the newer, younger bands, the independent bands, whatever, I think it's much harder, especially if this genre split classification continues i think it's real difficult and you're finding here's the thing you're starting to find well nowadays i mean everybody and their mother has a record company i mean like every month now there's like new record companies just popping up i mean they're all independents they're boutiques they could be uh, do-it-yourself ones they could just be in name only you know it could be the artists themselves just you know they're just doing their own stuff but the thing is is some of these are becoming genre specific labels as well Again, are you putting yourself into a box? Are you pigeonholing yourself both now with the artist that you're taking and as a business model company, you're relying on a smaller handful of people to keep you afloat? Yeah, it's true. You know, like, I, so I seen a, um, an interview with the one guitar player from Kicks. The damage and he said you know when they were signed to atlantic and they were like oh man atlantic you know it's a big he goes they didn't even have a heavy metal division he goes they didn't have a heavy metal division until later in the 80s that they actually put in like an office that you could go to to discuss you know specifically heavy metal so he goes for a long time they just didn't know what to do with us and i think that's what's happening with so many bands 
Very true. And, you know, and it's funny you say that because I would have, I would never call kicks heavy metal. They're just a, another rock and roll band. Yeah, I agree with you. But they were lumped in. They were lumped in that whole thing, in. you know? And that's okay because, I mean, I don't necessarily see that to be a problem. They were big umbrellas oh, at the yeah, time. Yeah. At that time, they were big umbrellas. And listen, they didn't fight it. Nobody fought it at the time because that's what people wanted. But again, you know, even then, I don't think people really got hung up on the difference between heavy metal and hard rock because there no. was, listen, we hung, you liked Testament and Poison. You were yep. a Kiss fan from the 70s and the 80s, right? And you liked Bon Jovi. And you liked this. And you like, so it was all, so we were all like that. I was an overkill yeah. Oh, yeah. fan, right? I was an overkill yep. fan. And I liked, you know, some of the, like, you know, TKO and, and, you know, some of these types of bands. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, I was a Striper fan, and I could and I could listen, you know. But, you know, I mean, so, but we looked at it. It was all part of the same umbrella. It just was, yes. like, maybe this one was a little higher up on the umbrella. This was a little, you know, but it was all really the same. Because when you went to the concerts, everybody looked the same. We were just all one collection of, yeah. of, yeah, of yeah, people. Yeah. You know, now, I you know, I don't know. And, you know, I think, again, I think now... Not to keep beating it dead horse, but I think besides it being a, a revenue generator or a revenue funnel to generate, I think it's something more for the younger people. And by younger, I mean 32 and under. Probably more heavier, like for the, you know, the teenage to college age students to give them some kind of inclusion, right? Okay. Some individuality, sure. right? To get them to spend or get them to get the people who are spending for them. Right, because right. they right now that is the modern society who's on their phones and do the downloads. Everything's an app, right? Everything right. to me in my life is not an app. I hate the fact that oh my god, I got to get another friggin' app just to do this. <laughs> it just drives me nuts. You know what I mean? Can't we just you know? So that's where I'm thinking. I, I don't know. I, I I'm not that impressed with all the genre things. It doesn't make a difference to me. It's not going to affect how I write or what I do per se. Though I know that my particular style of writing and music is a niche market because it's not modern in the sense of today's model. Right, right. So, you know, maybe I'm the one missing out because I haven't figured out the whole, you know, matrix of the genre classification. But I came up through an era where it really wasn't that big of a deal. You know what I mean? If people couldn't tell who or what you were doing by the way you looked and sounded and the combination of the two, then I don't know. You know, I mean, though, yeah. I have to say there were bands that looked a certain way and sounded completely different. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, OK, so I don't know. And then there was always that one guy. Go, Look, he just he, you could tell that guy just wants to rock out and he's kind of being kind of. <laughs> stuck in a corner here uh you know but he, you can tell he's he's ready to rip up that guitar somehow so you know what i mean i i don't know you know what i mean and i don't know anything else you want to add do i miss something no i don't think so man i i think that um in times genres or subgenres are good if you're if you're one of those guys that strictly likes one certain kind of music metal specifically because I feel like that has the most, but in terms of it, I don't really think it's important, but I do understand it. And I do truly believe that some bands get lost in the mix because 
you just don't know where to put them and maybe you put them in the wrong category. I agree. I think it is it's a fan service and there are fans that want to stick that way. And if that's the way it is, that's fantastic. But there are like you said, there are bands and artists that are going to get mixed up, lost, forgotten about, never seen. For an artist, I think that they just shouldn't even worry about it. You do what you do and you'll find an audience. If your goal is to grab a niche audience and find that that small circle of people to support what you do, then you go for it. If it's sustainable to you, I say do it. I mean, don't not do it. Do it. Take the chance, right? But if you're doing it just to kind of fit in, to me, that's not sustainable. You will run out of the steam. And like Chris said, you will get lost after a while because there will be somebody that's going to do it way better and be more of, Mm -hmm. of a model or an example. So whatever it is you do, just do it and see what happens. Yep, 100%. All right. So if you like this content, check out some of our other shows at www.thecosmicvoice.com. Step into the cosmic first. You'll never know what you'll find. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is The Cosmic Voice. Be sure to check us out at thecosmicvoice.com. Like and follow us on Facebook at The Cosmic Voice. You can find The Cosmic Voice everywhere you listen to online podcasts like Deezer, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, and so many more. Okay, folks, that will do it for another episode of The Cosmic Voice. Mick and I would like to say thank you very much for tuning in, and we will see you next week. You're listening to The Cosmic Voice. Music, talk, and nothing but business.